ever seen the movie Nothing But Trouble? Absolutely. Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd's love child. How did we not talk about that when we were talking about Ghostbusters 2? Because I feel like that would have been a nice addition because... Coming off the Ghostbusters franchise, Aykroyd had this clout. He did that movie, and then he never had clout again <laughs> because it was uh, such a bizarre failure. Such a bizarre, bizarre movie. So you you've seen it? When we did? When did you first see it? Did you see it as a kid? Did you have you known about it always? I never saw it. I'm sure I saw it as a kid, but I I watched it like a sometime in the last year. Okay, I just watched it a couple weeks ago. And. Uh, just how fucking weird is that? Such a weird movie. I think it was Demi Moore who talked about how surreal it was because he directed it. He created it, directed it. I don't, I don't know. I'm not. I'm fuzzy on the writing. Oh, I'm sure he wrote it. He probably wrote it. I just don't know for sure if he had a co-writer or. And we could look it up, but we're just not gonna. I'm not uh, gonna look it up. And <laughs> he'd be in the makeup of the judge directing them, and he probably stayed in character. And <laughs> I don't know. Chevy Chase, and for him too. He was coming off the success of Christmas Vacation, so I think he also had that clout, but then that movie kind of killed his momentum as well. Yeah, look. And then he jumped on he he jumped on the um, Chevy Chase show thing with Fox, which was like a huge deal. They named the studio after him, and it was going to be their big late night show, and it like was a hu- famously huge failure after a couple Terrible. weeks. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. But it fits so well with the fact that he was in Nothing But Trouble. Just two two guys that had that pretty much destroyed their momentum in the film industry in, in, in the year 1990 or 91 or whatever it was. And he was never really able to get it back. I don't think so, yeah. He did the family comedy with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And he was in Cops and Robertsons with Jack Palance. And then he did Memoirs of the Invisible Man. Oh, which was his passion project. His passion project. And that was a failure. Yeah. And even convinced, I haven't got to that part in the John Carpenter book. Yeah, but I'm looking forward because I, I when I read, you know, actors, musicians, the thing that's most interesting to me is their failures, because you, you just can't believe some of the stories about what they how they thought it was going to go or why they wanted to do it. And then just how it turned into a huge mistake. Yeah, I think you'll be re- I think you'll really enjoy that section because like I'm getting this from a different podcast, but like the writer is a f- super famous writer. The director is him. Like all the pieces were there for Oh, originally it was going to be Reitman and it was going to be his big thing after he felt special about that project the same way he felt about Ghostbusters. It could have been an amazing comedy and it just didn't, it just didn't work. You know, Chevy Chase is like, he's not a different Chase in Nothing But Trouble or even what I remember from Memoirs of of an Invisible Man, but like his shtick only works if you put him in the right movie. Yes. But when you threw him in Nothing But Trouble and he's the lead and he's supposed to be kind of slick a little bit and he's a romantic interest to Demi Moore and he's still a good looking guy at that point, but the age is kind of creeping up on him. Like he had a Bill Murray thing going on, sarcastic kind of asshole thing, but it just wasn't working in that movie. You know, I'm a huge fan of Chevy Chase. Yeah. I think he's really good at being Chevy Chase. Yeah. So you got to put him in the right vehicle. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just thought I was amazed by the uh, um, nothing but trouble 
passion project that just failed on him because i i thought it was a, cr- a crazy cool movie at first because of all the contraptions and the rube goldberg thing going on and just how weird yeah. it was but then like the two mutant babies and the diapers came in one played clearly by dan Aykroyd. like the judge would always take his nose off for some reason like it just got it so fucking weird. strange and then the very end chevy chase when he hears the judge is gonna move in with him or whatever the fuck is going on he jumps through the wall and leaves his body in the wall like a like a Bugs Bunny Looney Tunes character. Dan, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> He's got a weird sense of humor. Okay, that's... <clears throat> Do you want to start the episode? What are we talking about again? We're talking 28 weeks later. That's right. Welcome, everyone, to this very special hungover episode of Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels. <laughs> This is Justin. Uh, He's hungover. This is, this is Aaron, too. I'm not hungover. I'm actually feeling pretty good. Today, we're talking about how every movie that's a sequel could just be titled Dead Reckoning. So, for example, today we're covering 28 Days Later 2 Dead Reckoning. Any sequel could be called Dead Reckoning. I think they should all be called Electric Boogaloo. Personally. Home Alone 2 Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. That's just because it rhymes with two. So now we're talking 28 weeks later. It's been more than 28 days. And I hear that they have a third movie. According to Danny Boyle, they just finished the script for, guess what it is? 28 months later. Months later. Bam! And then maybe a fourth movie where... (gasps) 28 years later. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I think it relates to this movie being a bag of dicks. (laughs) <laughs> i'm surprised you didn't like it that much like I, I thought it was perfectly fine as a uh zombie movie i have issues but yeah you liked it i did like it although i didn't watch 28 days later recently and i don't know if i've seen it since it really came out but that movie had this aura around it look at us we're shot on video uh danny boyle is really coming into his own as a filmmaker It's a crazy edited film. We managed to have England abandoned at different times to shoot the thing. Cillian Murphy's really got a star turn here. Uh, The zombies are a new version of zombies where they're running around and they're fucking crazy. Like that movie had something brand new to it that nobody has seen before. Now you have to make a sequel to that movie where nothing's new anymore. You can't possibly live up to the hype of the first one. And it reminds me of... And we should cover this movie, too, at some point. Blair Witch Project 2, right? The Book of Shadows. Where, Yeah, where the first movie had this thing about it, and it was super independent, and then they had to make a sequel, so what do they do? They just make a movie. (laughs) And how do those go together? And that's where I feel like we're at with 28 Weeks Later, is that this is a movie. The first one was an event. This one is now just a movie. So it can't possibly live up to it. However... It was pretty stacked with star power, I thought. You know, Jeremy Renner and Idris Elba and Rose Byrne. And uh, it kept moving. It had the look of Danny Boyle's film, even though it wasn't directed by him. Uh, So I thought it worked. I really like that. And we should cover Blair Witch soon just because I haven't seen that movie since it came out. Um, The biggest thing that stuck out to me this time on this rewatch was that 28 Days Later, I think you could argue, started the zombie renaissance. I think it was, what, 2002? We were eight years before Walking Dead. We were before the Zack Snyder reboot of Dawn of the Dead. Hell, I didn't even realize Zombieland came out before The Walking Dead did. Yeah, then Shaun of the Dead was also 
that might have been like 2001 though no it was uh i looked it up it was 2004 i think i think it came out the same year as dawn unless you're wrong i i might be with you on that and that i can't think of another popular zombie film that really jump-started that crazy and so yeah 28 days later was really a touchstone because if you think about it walking dead did a lot of ripping off oh the first the first episode is all about 20 i remember i remember watching the walking dead really enjoying it like it was definite weekly viewing for us yeah we loved that show but the first thing i thought when he woke up in that hospital and everything was abandoned i was like well this is just 28 days later yeah i'm walking around can't find anybody yeah it's exactly what it was and without this movie i don't know if we would have been there and of course it's not zombies it's a it's a virus. Right. It, whatever. You know, zombies, yeah. not zombies. You know, who cares? Well, what I really appreciate about this sequel, before I drag it down, is that it follows <laughs> science. The zombies starved to death. That's how they were able to go back to England. Because they're things that needed food and they didn't have food. Like The Walking Dead. Those things should have been fucking dead for a while. But, well, those things, it, death doesn't stop them. Well, because they are dead, yeah. And these people were still alive. They just had a virus that made them crazy, yeah. You have, you still have to be alive in order to be zombified in this world. Yeah. Because then they can kill them. Like, the gas killed them and stuff. Yeah, I yeah the sense. gas killed them. Just the thing that bothered me about that, well, we'll get to that. I have, like, maybe three things that I thought were pretty stupid. But the majority of it, uh, I thought was pretty good. I really didn't like this movie. I was not a fan. Okay, so <laughs> let's just go to the beginning. Is this a sequel? Is it? Totally. Because the beginning of 28 Weeks Later takes place on like the same time as 28 Days Later, which you don't really know for sure, but you kind of gather it. It feels like it happens before. I think I was feeling like it happened after. Because they did the calendar and they did like 14 days yeah, they, but that was after the... that was after then this cold open, if you will, with Robert Robert Carlyle, which was the first excellent. Oh, he was the other guy I forgot to mention. Where yeah, you forgot. Um, we're big Carlyle. Car- Robert Carlyle fans now because of his work in Train Spotting and in T Two Train Spotting, uh, which he's amazing in that movie. And I didn't know he was in this, and I was like, oh great! So he's at the beginning. He's a husband with his wife, and they're hiding out with some other people in this house that's very secure, you know, from all daylight just to make it look like nobody's living there i guess like they don't want anybody on the outside to see any activity whatsoever i guess that's that was the idea so there's a quick mention about how they sent their kids away before the rage virus took over they were on a field trip be safe oh okay that was it okay i thought it was like some government thing where they got the kids out no no it's like they were doing a summer abroad in america oh perfect and then of course there's like a little kid that knocks on the door and and he was running from people so i was like okay well obviously the people are still following him and it's only gonna be a matter of time and that's exactly what happened where all the zombies uh came and destroyed the house and so robert carlisle who loves his wife for that whole part he ditches her and the kid because he's just scared he just wants to save himself and i mean not to give him too much credit but they both would have been dead. Like, I don't know what he could have done. He should have been dead. But then the kids wouldn't have any parents. So I think she should have said, like, to him, run. Now, the, the movie wouldn't have been as dramatic. But I think she should have been the brave one and said, you have to live. Like, get the fuck out of here, please. You know, but she was like, help me. And then he didn't want to help because he's like, what am I going to do? <laughs> and then he just runs. So it just makes him look horribly bad. 
But at the same time, I don't know what he could have done anyways. But that's where I was with that. But that's the whole deal, is that he ditches he ditches the wife. Ditches the wife, he gets on a boat, and he leaves, and then we do he the survives. crawl. Yeah. And then we find out what happened. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, so this is taking place during 28 Days Later, because you then see the quick transitions where they tell you, and then 42 Days Later or whatever is when this happened, and then like a couple weeks later is when all the zombies starved to death. I don't know. How did it go? Yeah, that was, that was about right. And then like NATO... So it's mostly America, but it's supposed to be NATO. Uh, all the you know joined ally nations come in to help Britain. So America and their U.S. Army kind of takes over the city and is now letting people back in because, as far as they're concerned, the virus is done. Yeah, like they waited double the time after all the zombies should have starved to death. 28 weeks later, which is six months or something. Yeah, it's just over six months later. So... My biggest problem with this movie is I don't give a shit about anybody in the movie. I'm sorry, why? When your main protagonists are children, it's a kid's movie. Who do I have to latch on to? Robert Carlyle, piece of shit. And we established that in the cold open where he abandons his wife. But as far as an actor's role goes, that was probably way... That was something that probably that, that really got him involved because he's just like, oh, well, there's this... There's this thing to latch on to where I have to lie to my children about leaving my wife. Because you knew that was coming. Like, once you you realize the kids were his kids, I'm just like, oh, fuck. How is he going to explain this to them? And of course, he's going to lie. He doesn't like, want to tell them that he left her. If this movie had a redemption arc to it, I would feel a little better about it. But as we know, and we'll get to, has no redemption arc. <laughs> True. But it made me feel like there might have been one at this point so that's why i was still on board with it well yeah you could be on board how can he how is robert carlisle going to redeem himself is where i was what i was thinking (laughs) yes yes totally valid 28 weeks later nato is moving people back into england they have a safe zone it's very reminiscent of the occupation of iraq because it's the green zone and they're in District 1. The kids get shipped back. They've been stuck in America in a camp. Why didn't he get to go to see them? I know that's just trifling, but... The dad? It's been six months. He's been in quarantine? He's not... I think so. so. Another important part of the movie is that he, when he escaped the house where he abandoned his wife, he was on a boat, he got away. He somehow joined up with the U.S. Army or whatever government was kind of trying to take back Britain. And he kind of rose in the ranks to be, like, as his kids call it, a maintenance man. But he has, like, this all-access card that gets him into everywhere. So he kind of runs these... I don't know, condominiums, for lack of a better term, where all the survive, where all the people are coming back in or whatever. So he's kind of like the, he's kind of like the, what do you call the RA or whatever, you know, well, it's, for this place. It's hard to picture it, but in theory, he and his wife could have been rich people to begin with and rich, important yeah, right. people to begin with. Or government officials in some way. Yeah. I mean, either he rose in the ranks, which is probably more appropriate, or he was rich. But if he was rich, I feel like he could have gotten his kids back sooner. I don't know. I don't think the rich thing comes into it at all. I just feel like he had a job to do the way the military people had a job to do. And he really took it to heart. Like, he wanted to bring Britain back. So he was going to stay here and he was going to work alongside the military to uh, do what they needed to do in order to get the survivors back. Like, once you 
become that person, like, yeah, you want to work hard at it, I think. And I think that's where he was. That's where I was thinking, at least. And then he knew the kids would come over when it was safe. Like, he didn't want to, he didn't want to abandon, <laughs> he wanted to abandon his wife. He didn't want to abandon his post. <laughs> so we knew the kids would come over eventually. And I mean, it almost feels like he was able to use his influence to get his kids there earlier because even the army lady that might be it. didn't know. That's true because she was unaware that kids were being allowed in. So maybe that was his fault, yeah. you know, for lack of a better term. So anyways, so the kids come back, a whole bunch of people come back. They got a lot of things in place to make sure that nobody has the virus. Uh, Idris Elba is like the general. Uh, Jeremy Renner is a sniper. People just on rooftops and they're just set up as snipers just to, I don't know. This movie was watchable because of Jeremy Renner for me. I love that man. Clearly he's the same character from The Hurt Locker. <laughs> and <laughs> He was really typecast. And Hawkeye, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very Hawkeye, especially him being on the roof with a sniper rifle. Yeah. Like, it was just like, he's an excellent shot from miles away. Jeremy Renner's just one of those guys for me. Like, he's good. There's not a lot of guys that I would make out with, but I'd, I'd make out with Jeremy Renner. I mean, I don't think of him in a sexual way, but I, I do think he's pretty good. He I, seems kind of short for my taste. I love him, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I hope he makes a full recovery, because it sounds like he got pretty effed up. I hope. I hope. Well, he's got to be fucked up from that, man. Like, he's just got to be. He might be done acting. It sounds pretty pretty bad, but yeah. you never know. Yeah, we'll see. So anyway, kids come back, and then he lies to them about the fate of the mom, which is just another I hate you moment. But who's going to know? Nobody's going to know. Honesty is these kids he's honesty. Wrong. How can you live with yourself and have any hope of healing from it by continuing to lie about it further? I am with you on that. I am totally a guy that would be destroyed by guilt. I think you have to accept the punishment, and only then can you get over it. Yeah. But for the purposes of a movie, he's got to lie to him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he does. Because, you know, obviously once he lied to him, I was like, well, obviously this is going to come back to bite him. Let's see how that happens. So it, it, then it entered come into back another to bite element. It's going to come back to bite him. Yeah. So then it added another element where I was like, oh, well, is he going to be redeemed? Or is something going to now come because he had to lie to them? I'm like, so it still kept me interested in to see what would happen. And I think that was a good thing. The kids are talking on the first night and the kid... The boy is worried that he's not going to be able to remember the mom. And so they decide, the children, to leave the safe area, the quarantine zone, go back to their house and get a picture of their mom so that he can remember her. It's adorable, but these fucking kids. But it, it had a it had a contradiction or it had a difficult thing there because they did find a possible cure without knowing it. And that is a plus, but it was handled poorly. <laughs> and so it became nothing. But what happened is I, j I did think it was quite brazen of the children to sneak out of the manner they did. I was just like, I don't think I would have done that as a kid. I would have been too like, really? We got to like walk on the side of a bridge to like sneak out. Like it's not that important. That enough, that would have been enough to turn most people back. But again, for the purposes of the movie, they needed to get past the U.S. Army so they could go to their old house. So they get to their old house, and I thought it was just going to be some person that was just squatting in the attic of their old house because the kid, the, the young boy, finds somebody living up there. Yeah. Um, he's not scared at all for some reason. For I some reason. I would have been like, holy shit, we got it out of here, and just run out with my sister, you know, and somebody's here. But, hey, lo and behold, who is it? Turns out to be his mom, who 
sort of has the virus like in the way they they're trying to keep it like is she infected is she not infected something is about her or is she just traumatized so much that she's unable to articulate in any way that doesn't freak the kid out because she's like trying to hug him but hurting him at the same time then the military comes and finds them because they realize they escaped my biggest and here's another i have so many problems so many problems with this movie. So the kid goes up into the attic. He finds that somebody had been living there. And there's evidence that somebody had been living there because there's old rotted food and maggots. Yeah, like, a lot of maggots. Okay, she's actively living there. She not taking care of herself? She not cleaning well, up? Well, she's fucked up. But they're, not, they're a little fuzzy on how and why she's as fucked up as she is. Okay, and then it's her house. Yeah. Why is she in the attic? Why isn't she well, sleeping Well, because she's in her afraid bed? that there are virus zombies out there. So you gotta hide. She was doing the exact same thing she was doing at that house. She was a, It was a room that was in complete darkness and she was trying to hide out. <sighs> that made sense to it's me. It's thin to me because she could have... Like, how did she get home? It's the pro- the number one problem with the movie at that point is that it's awful big coincidence that their mother of all people survived. That's but you got to go with it because you're just like okay. That's where the are biggest we going with this. Biggest problem is we saw a group of zombies enter the room where she was, and there was more than one zombie. But all that happened to her was one bite on the arm, and they were like, "Ah, we're done. We have the rage virus, but we." Bit you. I don't know. I don't know. They'd have to leave it open because how the fuck could she possibly got away without having her neck torn open? I don't know. Yeah. Somehow she fought him off. It's problematic. Anywho, they find their mom. Anywho, they find their mom. How about that? Yeah. It's a nice reunion. Yeah. But wait, dad said that he wants her die. So now we got to talk to this fucker because he lied to our faces. So they go back because the military is there because they realize they escaped. So they followed him and they and they capture the mother because she's a little off. And they're just like, I don't know what's going on here. And Rose Byrne is like a scientist. So she looks into the mother and finds out that, holy shit, she does have the virus. But it hasn't overtaken her because she has some sort of immunity to it. Some genetic abnormality, if you will. Um, and then the father is like, oh, shit, she's alive, huh? Well, that's good. <laughs> but the kids are pissed off at him. They make it very clear that he has access to everywhere. And so he goes and visits her. Kids are in quarantine. They're stuck in a glass room. And so Rose Byrne and the general, Idris Elba, they go somewhere else. And they just leave her be in this secure room, mind you. But at the same time, I can't believe nobody's around. Yeah. That's how he gains access is because nobody's there to stop him. Yep. You know, face to face without anybody knowing. He makes out with her. Yeah, because he asked for forgiveness. I was reading the Wikipedia thing afterwards, and it kind of said, like, she does, does forgive him. And she says that she loves him, and that's why he comes and kisses her. Yeah. But I was almost feeling like she knew that she had the virus. And she's like, yeah, I forgive you. Come here, baby. And then she gave it to him. Because she didn't seem too weirded out by the fact that he was flailing himself around until it got a little too crazy. So I don't know. I was a little on both sides. Like, she meant to do that to him, but also she was completely caught unaware that he now has the virus that's interesting yeah so she's a carrier she's like COVID baby she's one of those people that doesn't get it but can give it to other people no redemption arc for him and not only is he a piece of shit for leaving his wife and he's a piece of shit for lying to his children he's a piece of shit for destroying the attempt to re-inhabit britain because he 
spreads it to everyone. Yeah, he's like patient zero again or whatever. Yeah. But he absolutely murders her. So they do something weird in this movie as opposed to the first movie. And and maybe there was characters like this in the first movie. But the rage zombies are pretty mindless zombie types, you know? They're they're just they're not totally stupid and slow like your average zombie, but they're they just have this feeding killing thing. Right. But in this one, they almost make him a thinking zombie where he doesn't just really want to kill anybody. He literally wants to annihilate his own family. And that was weird to me. That was a weird decision. That's an interesting take because it it reads pretty well because otherwise it's a lot of annoying coincidences over and over and over. It was too much of a coincidence where he it made it very clear that he was after them, I felt. Because he, they would show what's in his mind, and then he would have flashbacks to abandoning his wife all the time. You could make the argument that he wants to get rid of the guilt. He wants to get rid of the things that make him feel bad. So maybe the virus that she gave him was maybe a mutated form where it still made him crazy murder zombie, but it, it didn't deny him his humanity completely. So he was almost still the same guy, almost, but he was still filled with rage. That literally is just the virus is just making people have rage. In theory, they should all still have thoughts, but they're just uncontrollable rage. They're not, they don't are shown that way, though. And, and I could be wrong because I haven't seen the first movie in so long, but they're just running around killing whatever. Whereas he is, he seems to still have a goal in mind, even though he doesn't mind. If people are in his way, he's killing them. Like everybody in that carport, wherever they were. So she gives him the virus. He's a fucking virus rage monster again. He kills her horribly. Gets out of there, starts killing the soldiers that are around. And that's when everybody realizes uh, it's there's another breakout. Yep. So they get everybody all the survivors down into like the basement of this building. Yeah, they go into code red. Right, but nobody really bothers to check the other door to make sure that nobody can get in there because then the guy is looking for his son is how I felt about it. He's literally looking for his son. So he breaks in from the opposite door and then starts biting people trying to get to his son. So then they all turn into zombies and then it's just like fucking massacre because everybody's down there. Um, and then, but they get out, and then they all run around everywhere. So that's when Renner comes in again, and, and everybody, uh, all the snipers are just trying to kill everybody. But then it's clear that the general had his code read in place that's like, okay, step one, you know, kill all the people that have the virus. If that doesn't work, kill everybody. Yep. So that's what they're ordered to do, to start shooting like crazy. The doctor recognizes that the children might have carried over the same immunity from their mom. Yep. And she wants to save them at all costs. The army just wants to kill everybody because that's the rule. So she goes a little off grid with them. She's hiding out with some survivors. (sighs) This is where it's just a slog of, are they gonna get safe from the zombie monsters? Yeah, I I didn't feel the slogness though. And I think it was because of Renner. Uh, yeah, Renner was the best he, part. He kept it moving, and that's what was a good call for this movie. Because if it is just a bunch of survivors, um, but I liked the idea that they're not just trying to hide from the zombies. They're like the government is actively trying to murder them because their rule is everybody's got to die because we can't let this thing escape the the mainland of Britain. At what point did Renner get off the roof and decide that he was going to? disobey the government and help after he killed numerous people that didn't have the virus like they all followed orders and started shooting like crazy yeah 
But then he said he saw the kid, and then it was like it, it no longer became faceless to him. Like, he was like, there are people there that can survive. I got to help them. That's such a terrible decision. He shot a number of people. <laughs> like, they should have all just done their job, and therefore the world would have been better. But instead... That's what I'm saying. That's the hard part about this movie is, like, it's pretty hardcore, but I wasn't disagreeing with those orders, no. necessarily. I thought it was pretty harsh. But to save the rest of the world... That's a very clear threat, that virus. So I was like, yeah, you kind of got to firebomb the whole place. And it's unfortunate there's going to be a lot of casualties. But this is really the only way to stop this from destroying the world. It's insane that they would have people start coming back in and before they'd cleaned up all the bodies. So crazy. Just to loop back to the kids breaking out of the safe zone. They were in America. They heard about the problem just like everybody else. But they're running around... And, like, being no near fear. maggots and dead bodies. <laughs> right. First dead body she's ever seen. <laughs> right. And she's chill. It's cool. Yeah. I'm going to break in here knowing that there's probably horror, and I'm not scared at all. That's a normal kid thing. <sighs> so Renner gets him out of there. Renner gets him out of there. So it's Renner, just in time. the doctor, and the two kids. And there's another guy. But he doesn't just happen. He's just a no-name but he's, he comes in, he's important later on. You know? Oh, I don't remember. Why? Well, he just wants to survive. Renner gets him out because they're going to firebomb the place. And then they go to this um, kind of old amusement park, which was a, uh, or carnival, which was going to be like an LZ for this helicopter, landing zone for this helicopter, yeah. his helicopter friend. So he was like, I'll meet you there. And then when he, when the helicopter comes, he's just like, who are these other people with you? I can't take them. Like, that's against regulations. You know, that's not my orders. I'm just supposed to pick you up. Yeah, that was weird. And then that guy is like... Because all these zombies are running oh. across the fields at them. So oh, the guy yeah. jumps on the helicopter. The helicopter guy goes a little too crazy. I'm sure if somebody jumps on your blades or on the uh, tracks, it wouldn't completely like, oh, I'm out of control. But that's the way the helicopter guy treats it. But he handles it. But this was the dumbest thing that happened in the fucking movie when the guy uses his helicopter blades to slice up the zombies. It was the stupidest thing because at that moment, it turned into a Romero uh, Night of the Living Dead sequel, like like Land of the Dead or Diary of the Dead. That's what it did. It turned it into a B-movie, and I didn't like that part. I was waiting very patiently for the helicopter to hit the ground. That guy knew the exact amount that he could point his helicopter down so that the blades hit zombies but didn't go a foot lower and hit the earth and break the helicopter it was amazing it was really dumb it was really dumb yeah. i was just like uh why do they do that uh but the helicopter doesn't want to land because there's still too many people around so he then tells renner over the radio i can only pick you up but meet me at this other place at the stadium at the stadium yeah wembley so he's like okay so then they gotta escape some more and then um yeah they they go back to the city for some reason or they go to a port they have to go through the city again they have to go to get to wembley to the city yeah. to get to the stadium and we're at the toxic gas i think yeah there's nerve gas everywhere which is like killing the rage monsters so they jump in a car and it can't start and that's when renner sacrifices himself to push start it so she can drive away and then he gets flamed to death yeah so they get into a car it won't start there's toxic gas to kill all the zombies 
But the government was like, ah, toxic gas isn't enough. Let's get some soldiers with flamethrowers out there in the toxic gas. That's going to be enough. They maybe have learned from their mistake where they still didn't really clean up all the bodies the first time. And they don't know how the virus spread. So now they're going and, and just burning. They burned Jeremy Renner. Anything bad happening to Jeremy Renner just hurts my heart. And so yeah. he gets killed. But it was a nice death, like, sacrificing himself to save them. How does the woman bite it? I forget. She grabs his weapon, and they drive for a while, um, and then there's an Apache helicopter trying to take him down, so they go into London's underground. Yes. uh, The subway system. So then they get out. It's meant to be, like, freaky, because only she can see because of the night vision on uh, the scope on the gun. So she's trying to tell the kids where to walk and avoid the dead zombies and everything like that. Yeah, I like that. Of course, it's a big fuck-up. So it was okay, but it, it didn't feel like it fit. That was more of like a, uh, what are those horror movies called? Like where it's all security footage. Oh. It just felt more found footage, paranormal activity. It just yeah. felt like it didn't really fit in that movie that much. But they really went in like, okay, this is going to be, the next five minutes are just going to be night vision. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Uh, and that's when a huge coincidence, as we were talking about, where Robert Carlyle pops up. But it's a coincidence in that, yeah, he was able to follow him when they were in a fucking car driving all over the city, and he still found him again, and that's where he kills Rose Byrne. But at the same time, if you allow the fact that he was actively trying to find his kids There's to kill them, no way he could have tracked them down. There's no way. There's no way. But he wasn't just a mindless person who happened to coincidentally be there. He was actually trying to find them, is how I took it. Still pretty far-fetched. But um, he bites the boy, and then the girl is able to kill him. Uh, and the boy thinks he's going to become a zombie, but he doesn't, because he apparently has the immunity as well. But he is a carrier. But they don't know anything about that. Then what happens? They get on the helicopter, and the movie fucking ends. Oh, yeah, they go to Wembley, right? Yeah. And then the guy is like, well, where's Doyle? Where's Doyle? Jeremy Renner's character. And they're like, hey, make it. Sorry, it's just us. So the guy's like, all right, get in. Are we missing anything important? I don't in the movie? think I feel like so. we skipped over something that might have happened. Okay. So positive ending is what it makes you think because they're going to France. Yes. That was apparently communicated to Renner that that's where they had to go. Get they to talked about going across the channel. Okay. But they don't know anything about the fact that he's a carrier. So something happens and we cut to 28 days later um, and France is now overrun with zombies yep so the kids the kid gave it to somebody destroyed Everybody's france dead. and in theory the rest of the world so robert carlisle's responsible personally for destroying the world if mm-hmm. he had just done the right thing and died with her at the beginning but the kids could have been responsible because they brought the mom back with them because they found her whose fault is this okay that's <laughs> just that's that's like the thought experiment Robert Carlyle, at the beginning, does the right thing, defends his wife, dies. She still survives. She still makes her way home. Does she get bit? Yeah. And she still survives. She still makes her way home. At some point, those kids are coming back to England. They're from England. At some point, they still decide that they want to remember their mom, so they go to their house. They still find her. They still end up coming back. Like, I see it happening with or without Robert. Once she gives them a kiss... They're fucking monsters. Yeah. So it could have happened anytime. Uh, that troll movie, I talked about it an episode or two ago. The troll dies at the end, but it's just because he died had nothing to do with the humans. The whole movie 
you could have taken the all the humans out and the ending doesn't change because like he died from the sunlight or some shit and it just makes me think about this well this is my argument about once upon a time in hollywood you could take out the whole two hours of the first part of the movie because none of that mattered to any of it when the manson family just happened to show up by accident to uh leo dicaprio's house and brad pitt's there right they didn't know where the fuck they were going. They were trying to go to Sharon yeah, Tate's house. Yeah, but they, they just, just went to the wrong house. Instead. Exactly. Yeah. And none of it had anything to do with anything. They weren't looking for Brad Pitt. Yeah. And when they got there, they were like, oh, yeah, you're the motherfucker that uh, was at our at our uh, old movie set ranch. Yeah. Like, it had nothing to That's why I was pissed off. I was like, this had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so that's it. That's how the movie ends. Uh, apparently, uh, the virus has taken over, at least France, but soon to be the world. We'll find out in 20 months, 28 months after that. And 13, 16 years. It's been 16 years since this movie came out. And they're, they've been talking about another sequel since then. I mean, Cillian Murphy's like, his star has kind of gone a little up and down over the last 20 years, but he's kind of ratting high again. Oh, yeah. Nolan has kept him. Yeah, he's in Nolan's oppenheimer and stuff so i think he's if he shows interest in it i think they should and he said he was interested in maybe returning so i think they would definitely make it and i think if he was starring in it i think that danny boyle would probably direct it if they put him in a third movie that's one of the worst ideas i've heard i'm grumpy about this movie i actively wanted everybody in this movie to die <laughs> and i would have enjoyed it usually you set when you're making a horror movie well, you didn't want you renner set that up you set up except for renner i love renner but Carlisle had a great setup because he had this internal struggle where he left his wife. Like, that was perfectly fine. He was an asshole because of it, and maybe that's not the character you want to root for, but he still had something. But then, obviously, once he became a monster, I was like, okay, well, it's not going much more than he's just going to try to kill people. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that was 28 Weeks Later, directed by some guy that never really did much after that. And... um. <laughs> yeah that some guy directed by some guy uh, well danny boyle picked him specifically and i can't remember his uh, name. after his first film uh, literally he did two more yeah. movies after that and was out no i think he's got one more movie and then he's got a 2023 project yeah danny boyle ex- ep'd this juan carlos fresnadillo Fresnadillo or something. Yeah, something. Like that, yeah. I mean, he was he was fairly good at aping Danny Boyle's style, but didn't go too crazy with it. So I thought that was nice. Yeah, like the soundtrack was literally just plug and play from the first movie. All right. Well, anyway, that's it. That's the episode. Anyway, we're fucking off now. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate you. We really appreciate your grandmas because at one point they were hot. Um, <laughs> right. Through different, through a different uh, perspective, she's still hot. Okay, that's your grandpa is still an attractive man to somebody. And I just want to call that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to be around that age in order to find the attraction. Hey, that's up to you. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just just calling out perspectives. Right. I've already appreciated. Do women really want to marry old guys, younger women? I think so. Do they really want, do they really find them attractive and captivating? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, like, there's a king for sexual everything. way? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's real. But are women only doing it for financial or other sorts of gains yeah. that they'll put up with the oldness? I, I, I tell you, man, the old have to be great at fucking. <laughs> like they have so much experience. Well, they got a lot of experience. Yes, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's true. I think you're missing out if you haven't banged an older. 
person. <laughs> yeah. And with that, uh, we hope you tune in next week to uh, hear our next episode on something. You always say next week. Uh, this could be next weeks episode. Sorry, episode. next. <laughs> we hope you turn turn it tune in. <clears throat> yeah. But that's it. We hope you tune into the next episode where we discuss the movie that we're covering. <laughs> yeah. This is like this is like a Stanley tease. Uh, for another issue where it's clearly haven't written it yet. Well, until next time, true believers. <laughs> Bye.